up and hand us. Thank you, Stan, just for, for inviting me and having me. I know, I know many of us are working and, uh, and, and, and you're taking time off to be here. I really honor that and uh, thank you. I just thank, thank you for valuing this. While I sat there and uh, Jay spoke to me and something just came to mind. And uh, I really feel before, before we go into, into this, you know, just what I want to share. I, I do want to share this with you. I read a book. Who, who read the book on, on, of uh, uh, um, Bob Buford before he talks about halftime? Have you read? It's an amazing book. You should read that. But I just want to share this because I don't know if it's a word that God gave me, but maybe it's just, uh, just going to uh, you know, blow some wind maybe in some cells. But when we grow up, we grow up in our parents' house, and then we need to make a big decision. Let's say between uh, 20 and 25. And if you don't make that decision, you can spiral down. Now that decision is, what will I do with my life? What am I here for? What job am I going to do? Am I going to become a doctor, a teacher, a mechanic? Am I going to go into business, an entrepreneur? Why am I here? You need to make that decision, and then you're going to go into the success years of your life. Where you're going to build your foundation, uh, buy a house, get married, get a car, start a job. You want to be successful where you go. But, friends, here's the thing. Then, you do this again. And you need to make a massive decision in your life again. And let's say that's between 40 and 50 years old. You're going to make a big decision in your life. And what, what's that decision? <laughs> Buy some biscuits. Eat a muffin. <laughs> 40 to 60. We can extend. Yes, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, come on, man. I love it, guys. Hey, this is amazing. Hey, please. Yes, I love it. But, yeah, so you need to make, to make a decision there. And that is... What am I going to be relevant in? Because you're going to go into your relevant years, to the relevant time of your life. It's where it's not about me anymore. It's about how can I make a difference? How can I give something back? How can I help the next generation? How can I change something in this world? Leave a legacy. And, uh, and, and how do you do that decision? I wrote everything down on pieces of paper. I threw them in a box. And then I started to take them out, compare them with each other. And the thing that, that, that was, was left in my box was families and business. And, uh, and that's what I love to do. You know, when, when I do those things, I'm in the sweet spot of my life. It's like when you play golf and you hear ping. You know, that, it's, it's a sweet spot to be. You know, when you walk in, in, in what God has called you. And uh, so we, our ministry is called Rising Families. Um, me and my wife, we do restoration of families. We help parents to prepare their children for life and answer their three questions. Who am I? Where am I going? And what am I doing in this, in this world? And uh, so I just want to share on, on this, the relevant stage. I just want to share this, this scripture. Then Joshua, uh, it says in Joshua uh, 11, there verse 23. So Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord has spoken to Moses. And Joshua gave it as an inheritance to the people. Joshua came into the promised land, conquered everyone. God just, you know, gave them victory. And he had this land and then he gave it as an inheritance. And then you would think, but what now? What now? Is that that? But Joshua 13 says, Now Joshua was old and advanced in years. And the Lord said to him, you are old and advanced in years, and there remains yet very much land to possess. Isn't that amazing? Hey? So I just sense the, God, the Lord wants to say to some of us, not that you are old, but that you've got a lot of experience. You've done many things. But I want to say to you, God's not done. There's yet many land to be conquered. You know, I don't read pension in the Bible. I don't find it there. I don't see it. You know, so, so there's yet more land to conquer. And I want to say to you, I don't know if it's in business or in ministry or where you go, but just know that God's plan isn't done with you. Isn't that amazing? Can I open with a prayer? Is that all right? <laughs> Thank you, Lord, that we are here, Father, and this morning, Lord, we just want to open our hearts, come and speak into our hearts, Lord Jesus. We just pray for a fresh wind, Lord. I just sense, Lord, that you just want to give us a, a fresh boost, Father. Ignite that kindle of fire. Kindle that fire again, Lord Jesus. Come throw some wood on that fire, fire Lord. And as we walk out here, Lord, we know that you are not done. There's yet much ground to possess. Amen. Thank you, Lord. 
Yeah, so guys, uh, you know, maybe uh, uh, um, Stan asked, I must just give you a little bit of my background, a little bit of a, of a picture, um, but we'll have some time for questions. If you've got questions, you want to dig a bit deeper into some certain things, um, uh, you, you can ask questions then. But um, yeah, we, 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 I, start, I finished matric in 90, went to study for five years. Uh, as a health inspector, <laughs> and then worked at the municipality, and when I, uh, we went to a small town, one-man band. I was a health inspector there, and when I, when I walked in, they said, okay, you're going to be the building inspector as well. And, uh, yeah, and uh, from school, I've been wheeling and dealing and so on, but then I walked in, and then I said to people, hey, you, where's the building plans? You can't build without a plan. And, and people said, no, man, there's no one to draft plans. Uh, what? And I said, no, okay, then I'll learn. <laughs> how to draft plans, and I started drafting plans. And in 11 years working for the municipality, I approved five plans that weren't my own. And then I said, wow. <laughs> guys, guys, that's nothing. Sorry, man. Are we at church? <laughs> Please, you know. <laughs> I started drafting plans. I've been the building inspector, and then I started a hardware store, first a paint shop, and it did well, and I started a hardware shop, shop selling everything from the foundation to the roof. And then from there, we went into construction, did everything. I was a local mafia. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, 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 you come to me for the building plan? You know, oh, first you go to the building inspector, and then the building inspector t tells you where's the, the draftsman's office. <laughs> And then, then, you, then we discuss your plan, and then we, I give you a quote to build it, and then I give you a quote to do the construction for you, and don't worry, the inspectors are sorted. <laughs> <laughs> Everything under one roof. Um, yes. <laughs> yes, my man, he learned from me. <laughs> and we started 18 different businesses, start making bricks, transport, many things from there. And then when my kids had to go to school, we stayed in Marquardt in the Northeast Free State, served that whole area there. And then I said, listen, I've got, I've got three boys, twins, 20 years old, and I've got another boy, uh, yeah, they're 20 now, and uh, I've got another boy, 17, he's grade 12. And then they, the twins had to go to school and said to my wife, there's no way. Check those two small boys, man. There's no way I can just go drop them off and say, okay, you're on your own. Cheers. I just can't do that. So we sold all our, everything we had, went to Clark's store, bought CTM franchise there, and we stayed there. And uh, from there, God started to stir my heart for families. And uh, 2012, we sold that, and I went into semi-full-time ministry. But throughout the whole process, uh, uh, um, I only lived from my municipal salary, and all our dividends and profits were put into property. So we built this property portfolio, and uh, that's we're doing unto, to, until today. We buy properties, and then we rent them out. That's, that's my business. And uh, then when, when my boys became 13 years old, I did a rite of passage with them. And I said to them, listen, boys, you're going to journey towards manhood. And uh, I'm going to walk with you on this path. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk with you towards manhood because I want to build certain things into your life. And we went on all these courses, love, sex, and dating, marriage, all these things that, that, that we heard that could maybe impact them and prepare them for life. It was new. It was something we did. We just learned as we journeyed. And one of the things that we also faced was money and finances. And I, I, I'm telling you, I, I'm yet to meet someone to tell me that my father taught me about finances and business. I, I don't, I, I don't, you don't hear that. But thank you, Jesus, that you just ignited something in my heart because of the background where I came from. You know, I said, Lord, how can you use that for good? And God said, no, I'm going to give you a passion for the broken. That's how I'm going to use it for, for, for good. And God gave me a passion, and, and, and I said, I want to I journey with my boys. And so we went on courses of finances, but... When the guys spoke, it was a lot of information. It went over their head. For me, it was relevant. But for them, it just wasn't their space. And I said, Lord Jesus, we need to do something here. And I went in to search something for, for, for teenagers that can be on their, on their level. And I couldn't find something. I'm sure there's something. And then we developed Be Wise About Business. We first developed a board game uh, on, on personal finances. And then that did well, and we, and we developed this one, Be Wise About Business. And uh, man, I'm telling you, 
business guys, uh, young adults, they love this. We just played with, uh, with guys here in Durban with, with Mark. And uh, yesterday and day before, we played with a D team in Pietermarisburg, and the weekend we're playing with guys in the south. But th this business is based on how to approach a business, how to start a business, and how to make a success of a business. There's no luck in this game. It's real life. I looked back on 30 years of experience and said, Lord, Lord what's the things that you'll definitely be confronted with in business? And I build it into this game. This game, you can, you can build your business in a hundred different directions. I don't tell you what those are. I want you to find them, but I give you the principles as you go, how to deal with certain things. And then you make the choice and you decide how much you want to spend. And after that, we say, okay, what's the godly principle? How should we now do this? What God's saying? What's the right way? And we learn from our, our experience that we had. Amazing. It's a nice game. Just wanted to share that so you guys know where we're going. And so I journeyed with my boys and um, my boys finished school uh, matric and then they went, went, they did a year of Christ, uh, for Christ. Um, and then uh, afterwards I told them, listen guys, you need to go and study. Uh, you need to get something behind your name and say, there's no ways. There's no ways. We're not going to study. We're businessmen. We want to do business. And I said, wow, okay, but what? What are we going to do? So we trusted the Lord. And uh, then opportunity came up. They bought a postnet in Porch of Strum, And it went well. They bought another one. And, um, and they are doing amazing. I, w I went with them for the two months because they were 19 years old, just fresh, 19. It was February last year. They bought it. So I went there for two, two months. I worked with them, and then after two months, I said, hey, Pa, yes, I mean, you're in the way. I think it's better to go home. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, there's, it's, it's, you know, there's a space for all of us. And since then, I think I've been there, popped in three times. They, they've been growing that business 45%. They're doing amazingly well. They've shifted the one business to another property, grew that one about 50% as well. They're doing amazing at the moment. The one boy, uh, he's running that now. The other boy is in Joburg. They're taking over another business there. They're in the process. The guy said, come work for us. Just check out the business if you're happy. After a month, you can tell us, and then you can take it over. Uh, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big one. They're, they're doing amazing. They're 20 years old. <laughs> amazing. Uh, my other boy, 17, he had his business from uh, uh, grade four. He's doing very well. I'll tell you, I'll show you his, uh, a little bit of his story just now. But that's, 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 that's our journey, just to give you a little bit of background. But I just want to share some, some things that stood out for me, some, some mountains that I had to climb while I was in business and, and journeyed those things. And I think maybe some of these things can be relevant for you, but there's seven things that, that just, just some t-shirts that I earned as, as we go. And I just want to share those things and then we can get into some questions if you like. But one thing that I learned, friends, running 18 businesses and working for the municipality. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know how, how that happened, but it happened. <laughs> but you know, the one thing I learned there is being in balance. Yeah. And I want to show you, being in balance. Everything that we do rests on time. Your work, your family, your ministry, your so whatever is in your life rests on time, friends. And you need to manage your time. There's a season for everything. Sometimes when your business takes some strain... Yes, move your time there. Sort it out, but come back into balance. I, wo I worked seven days a week. And then one day I went to visit a friend just to see how his business is doing, just to learn from him. And he said, no, my man, I'm only working Mondays to Friday. And I made the decision. I'm only working Mondays to Friday. Because I believed, you know, I'm not there. Everything's going to fall flat and not work. And it was wrong. Everything went just as well, even better. <laughs> I didn't have to be there. It was a misperception. Friends, if, if your business or something takes some strain and you go there and you get stuck, something else is going to take strain. And then your wife is going to say, you never hear, money is more important, I don't see you. And then you're going to say, where does, do you think does the money come from? I need to do this job. Who else is going to do this? And, then it's going to, and it escalates. Friends, you need to be in balance. There's a time for family. There's a time for business. There's time for ministry. There's time for everything. That, that lesson, I learned hard. I learned that hard. And I want to take you there to a story just to emphasize this. It's a story of the Good Samaritan. Then Luke 10. I want to read this to you because 
I, I just want to, want to stand on this just a little bit. Because I think this is many times without us knowing our greatest battle is to be in balance. So there was this lawyer and he challenged God, uh, Luke 10, 25. And behold, the lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, number one, I love him with everything I have. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down. Now, a man, we can put in there, my family, my ministry, my health, my social life, my children. You can put in there whatever you want. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers, fell among unbalanced life unbalanced time <laughs> we stripped him and beat him and departed leaving him half dead friends I'm telling you if you're not in balance that's how your family is going to feel they're going to feel like that and then you can be like like these one of these three people now by chance a priest was going down to the uh, uh, that road and when he saw him he passed by on the other side and likewise a levite when he came to the place he saw him passed and passed by the other side these guys they had places to go people to see things to do they didn't have time to stop they were busy they were unbalanced and it says there but a samaritan as he journeyed he came where he was and when he saw him he had compassion friends you know what's going to change you if you have compassion if you can see the effect of an uh, un unbalanced life and you have compassion, it, it changes your heart. And look what happened here. The Samaritan. He had compassion. And he went to him. Can you see, friends, what's the difference here? This Samaritan was living on 80% of his time. He had extra time to stop. The Levite and the other guy lived on 120%. They didn't have time to stop. And when God sent the opportunity to bless them, they couldn't stop because they weren't focused. They were focused on, on things to do. And they missed the opportunity because they were living 120%. Friends, I'm saying to you, the economy, the world, and everything has changed. We live on 120% of our time. We need to, to, to come back, step back. We need to live on 80% time. So we've got extra time. You know where I learned this lesson the, the, the hardest? I'm, I, I sit in my office. I like to research. I, I like to write a book now and then. And I sat there in my office and I was busy. And my boy came in. His heart was open. He needed his father. He's got something he wants to share. Uh, 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 he needed some, so just the presence of his father. And I was sitting there in my computer. And he came in. I said, my boy, when I'm here, you don't bother me. You know when I'm in my office. I'm busy. You don't come in here. And he walked out with a wounded heart. And God said, you're living on 120%. You don't even have time for your own boy. And he needs you. And God said, you better change your time. Get into balance. You're not in balance. You're too busy. You don't have time. I had to learn to live on 80%. Because that other 20%, God wants to send blessings. And if I'm on 120%, I don't have time for that. He went to him and bound his wood, pouring on him oil and wine. Friends, we need to live on 80% with our possessions. <laughs> you know, the Samaritan, when he stopped, he had extra to give. There was extra. He poured oil and wine. He had extra to give, friends. Sometimes we, we live, live so tight. We're on 120% with our stuff. We don't have anything to share. And he said there, then he set him on his own animal. He had space in his life to welcome him in. Put him on his donkey. Friends, we live on 120% with our space. We need to live on 80%. There's people that want to come into your space. Learn from you. Talk to you. From you. Be encouraged by you. But we are so busy that we don't have space for people to come in. We live on 120%. 
And then he took, uh, uh, and he brought him to the inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarius <laughs> for the innkeeper. Friends, we live on 120% with our finances. We don't have extra to give. We live on more than we actually, we, we give out more than we receive. Because we are on debt and I don't know what else. But friends, we need to learn how to live on 80%. Because God wants to send blessings. And do you have extra to give in those moments? To bless others. We need to learn to live on 80% with our finances as well. And the next day he took out two denarius, gave them to the innkeeper saying, Take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Hey? Living on 80% with our relationships that people can trust me when I say, I'll come back and pay you. That's what I will do. Hey? Not living on 120%. Hey, this guy, I can't trust him. Eh? That guy owes me money. I don't know. Yo, you know what? Uh, and, 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 and I see him at church. I saw him on church Sunday. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but he's not paying me. Friends, we need to live on 80% with our relationships as well. People need to trust you. Your word is your word. And if you say you're going to do something, we, we, we better do that. Because we are the light. We are different. And look at this verse 37. He said, the one who showed him mercy, and Jesus said to him, you go and you do likewise. My friends, when we're in business, hell, I'm telling you, you can get out of balance like this. If you don't structure things and get things in place, plan things ahead, we need to, to learn how to live on 80% of our lives. I had to learn that lesson hard. The second thing that I learned is to work from a place of rest. How do you work from a place of rest? In the beginning of the year, you take your calendar and you plan your off weekends and you plan your holidays and you pay for it and it's done. And then you start to work from out of a place of rest. Right? Otherwise, June is coming, and your boy's saying, hey, man, we're going on holiday. I said, yes, my man. I know I said that, but things are just too hectic, too busy. There's this big deal coming up. Sorry, man, we just can't go. You're always going to be busy. Work from a place of rest. Plan your off weekends. In the beginning of the year, plan your off weekends. Plan your holidays. Pay for the holidays. Mark the off weekends so that you can work from a place of rest. Isn't that amazing? Because we rest, we don't rest enough when we're in business and, and in the workplace. It's hectic. Work from a place, number three, work from a place of strength. Can I, can I illustrate this to you? I brought the ball with. This ball, like anything, has a creator. Am I right? Like we, we have a creator. But the creator of this ball gave this ball an identity. He said that you are a soccer ball. And he also said that you have a place where you belong on the soccer field. And you also have a destiny. You're going to be used for the game of soccer. So this ball has an identity, a place, and a calling. Like we. Right? We have an identity, a place, and a calling. But can this ball function in that identity as it is? No. It's flat. It's actually useless. Friends, and you know what's a sad thing? What this ball needs is all around him in abundance every day. More than enough. But the problem is, it's not on the inside. I want to show you what happens. Jay, my friend. Friends, look what happened. If this ball receives, you can go for it. The very thing that it needs. Can you see? There's a strength. There's something rising on the inside. And this ball is starting to shape into the identity that the Creator has created it to be. Am I right? Thanks. God said to Joshua, be strong and courageous, because strength is something on the inside. Courageous is an outflow of that. Now, friends, when the world comes and he throws his ball down, it jumps back. <laughs> because there's something on the inside 
that weren't there previously. Friends, we need to work from a place of strength. We need to work from a place in the presence of the Father. Friends, you cannot go into this world, do business without Jesus. <laughs> without the guiding of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus, I'm, I'm leaving you a helper. Man, he wants to help you. He wants to help you get into balance. He wants to help you take decisions. He wants to help you do the right things. There's an inner strength that you receive, friends. We can't go without that. You can't do business you, you, without that. Because I'm telling you today, as you stand here, we spoke, someone mentioned it out there. When you're in business, it's tough. The world's going to throw you down. But the harder the world throws you, the higher you jump back. Because there's something on the inside. That makes you to come back to. Isn't that amazing, friends? Work from a place of strength. What did they say of David? David's a man that can come in and go out. When Moses said, I want a successor, I'm praying for someone. He said to God, but God, but if you give me someone, I want a man that can come in and go out. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Solomon, he said, I, I, I want to be a man like my father, a man that can come in and a man that can go out. Friends, we need to learn how to come into the presence of God, be strengthened and go out in that strength. If you want to be in business, learn how, where to get your strength to work from a place of strength. The other thing that I also learned is uh, in Genesis 2 verse 5. Is to manage what I have. You see, God says in uh, Genesis 2 verse 5. There's no bush in the field. No plants have been uh, as grown yet. And I thought, Lord, why not? Why is it not growing? There's, I see seed. I see so much potential. But, but nothing is growing. And the Lord says there, because he has not caused it to rain yet. And I said, wow, Lord, that's amazing. But Lord, why isn't it raining, Lord? Why are you not opening up the heavens, pouring down your blessing on that seed so that it can grow? And then God said, because there's no man to work the ground. You see, friends, God is using you and I to manage what He has given us. Because if you start to manage what you have, it releases blessing. It opens up the heavens. And God will rain on the land and seeds start to grow. If you look after and you start to manage whatever God has given you. <laughs> that, I, I can't understand how guys run their finance and businesses without budgets. And not managing what they have. We need to manage what we have, friends, because God has got blessings that He wants to rain on your land. And then number five is gear for opportunities. You don't have to look for opportunities. I believe opportunities are divine appointments. We get together today, have a coffee, and then he tells me, Hey, man, yes, you know, I, I just saw yesterday this bargain. There's a, there's a building in the market. And I said, yeah, really? Tell me, do you want to buy it? No, no, but hey, tell me more. Boom, there's an opportunity. But the question is, are you geared for the opportunity? If you are not geared for the opportunity, it's going to pass you by. Or you're going to use money and, and, and stuff that you shouldn't be using. And put your, your golden hen under strain. Because that hen lies eggs. But sometimes we are so focused on the eggs that we kill the hen. Because we take money that we shouldn't take and then we get cash flow problems. I've seen this so many times. I've been speaking, I, I, I love speaking to businessmen. And then they've got these ideas, but they're not geared for the opportunity. And they put their business under strain. You need to gear yourself for the opportunity. Like David on the hill, he played the harp. And then one day Saul said, hey, I need someone to play the harp. And they said, hey, I know someone on the hill. David didn't even know. But he geared himself. Friends, we need to play the harp. We need to gear yourself for the opportunity. Have an investment account where you put money away. So when the opportunity comes, you're ready for the opportunity. Because if you're not geared, the opportunity is going to pass by and you're going to say, yes, man, that was a bargain, man. Wow. Yes. And then someone else buys it. Gear for the opportunity. You don't have to look for the opportunity. It will come. And then the number six, save to give. We don't save to give. You know, young people come to me and say, you know, I want to go into business. I want to be this kingdom provider. I want to give money to the kingdom. I want to advance God's kingdom. You know? And then I ask them, how much are you giving now? Nah, you know what? I, I don't have much. Now I said, listen, man, you're never going to give. It's not a money thing. It's a heart thing. 
It's a hard thing, friends. We must save to give. I want to show you something, just to illustrate that. This is a normal 100 rand note, am I right? You all see that. Did you see how small 100 rand gets when you go to the mall? <laughs> yeah. Or when you go on holiday, or I don't know, you know, I, I love working with my hands when you go to build this warehouse or something and there's tools, but yes, man, that hundred rand gets small, eh? You can't, it's just, it just feels like, hey, I can't do much with that, that hundred rand note. Did you see how big a hundred rand note gets when you go to church? <laughs> <laughs> that thing is massive, man, that thing, hey, come on, that thing is huge. <laughs> you know, when they say there's a missionary in Africa crying out, they need some funds. Hey, yes, that thing is massive. Hey, friends. <laughs> friends, money, money has an effect on us. I mean, I can just, yeah, it's, it's, it's universal, man. <laughs> you know, there's, money is not the problem. Money is good. It's the spirit behind money that's the problem called mammon. And he wants what any spirit wants to be served and loved. We need to break the spirit of mammon by giving. You know, God is the source. Your business is the tool. You the channel. And kingdom is the goal. But many guys think... I'm going to, uh, let me explain this. So if, if I open the tap outside in the garden, where does the water come from? From the tap. No, it comes from the dam, the source. The tap is just the tool. The hose pipe is the channel and the flowers is the goal kingdom is the same business guys think my business is the source that's where it comes from no my friends that's just a tool god is your source that can set you free that can set you free my friend and you can focus on business god's the source your business is the tool he can use any other tool he can move tools around god is and and you the channel my friends God is kingdom focused. We need to be kingdom focused. All right, uh, so I want to show you this. And I want to go back to, to my younger boy. Because man, you know what? He taught me this lesson. <laughs> so when he was in grade four, he started his own business. And then he, he opened up five jars. Now he's got a spreadsheet doesn't have five jars anymore. And then he would put his money into five jars. Or he would, he would put it now on a spreadsheet. My friends, can, can I say to you, from grade four until today, walk into my house anytime, take my boy's file, everything is updated. He manages that to the cent. You can't, that's on my phone. Oh, it's my phone, sorry. No, no. <laughs> just, I thought I put it on silent. <laughs> <laughs> like <Lacker>, man <laughs> amazing <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> amazing eh? so, so, so he writes he manages my friends can I say to you watch him 10 years from now I'm telling you I'm prophesying watch him 10 years from now because God says I need a man to manage and if you manage I'm going to open up the blessing and rain on your land because I've put seed in your land and check the bushes and the plants is going to grow off your land. I'm telling you today, it's a, prince, it's a godly principle. And I trust God if he says so. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? So, so he, he, he's, he's got five jars. He puts in 10% tithing, 10% giving, 15% personal saving, 15% investment saving, and 50% social. Because, yeah, you know, why? <laughs> so that actually changed. To, that is 35% now. All right, but anyway, so he puts in his money there. And then when he was 15 years old, COVID came, it was locked down. And we've got this guy, Romke, and he went around to look after people, people distribute the, 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 the food of the church. And then he came to us one day and he, and he spoke to me and he said, you know what, I just came back from a flat. There's a young girl, she's 24 years old. Her husband beat her, left her alone. She's got two kids. There's nothing in the flat. She's sitting there. It's locked down. She doesn't have anything. And Dirkie heard that. And he said after his father, I want to I do something, man. I, I, I want to go help this girl. 
And I said, what do you want to do? He said, no, I heard Romka said she needs to make food. She's got nothing. So I took him and we went to game. He bought one of those small stoves. He bought pots and stuff. And, uh, and, 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 and Romka took us to her. He gave this to her. He prayed for her. And when we left there, I saw on his face, Jesus did something in his heart. God released something of a, of a giving in my boy's heart. And, and I asked this question. I asked, was it easy for him to give that amount of money away when you're 15 years old? And you know what? God said it was very easy for him to do that. Why? Because he already written it off. It wasn't his anymore. He budgeted for giving. <laughs> so it was easy. Friends, I want to say to you, you're going to be the boss of your wallet or your wallet's going to be your boss. It depends on if you budget for giving or not. Because if you don't budget, you're going to open up your wallet, and your wallet's going to tell you, it's the 15th of the month. Eh? Shoo, it's a lot of stuff to come. Eh? Petrol, food, kids. You know, you've got, yeah, so, yeah. You know, and then, and then you're going to think differently about this giving thing now. And then you're going to check, yes, Lord Jesus, uh, let me give something. And, and, but it's tough. It's not so easy. But friends, when you've written it off and you've budgeted and your wallet wants to say something, you're going to say, no, man. Uh -uh. No, no, don't worry. It's already written off. It's easy to give. My, man, you, uh, my friends, I want to say to you, do you know how easy it is to give money that's already written off for that cause? It's easy. And it's nice to give it. You give with a glad heart. And that's how we give with a glad heart. You need to budget for giving. Friends, and I want to say, if you're in business... <laughs> I want to say, if that is not in your budget, don't tell me you've got a kingdom business and you, your business is kingdom focused. If you don't budget for giving. That's how it is. You're going to live on one of three rivers. There's a, I don't know, maybe you've heard this story before. Um, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a mountain with a lot of slow, snow and then there's a dam. And that dam goes into three rivers. And you're going to live with your finances next to one of those three rivers. This river ends in a desert. This guy doesn't have a budget. This guy's not managing his finances. He gets to the middle of the month and says, Jeez, I don't know where's my money gone. I don't know what the... It's just gone. <laughs> I don't know what, what, what I'm, what's, what's happening with it. And this... Guy on the, on the second river, he just, the more, the more water comes in, the greater he builds himself. Better car, another house, another farm. And I'm not saying those things are wrong. I'm just saying if that is your only focus, then maybe you should come back into balance. He just wants to grow himself. This guy is afraid, afraid for the future. He just wants to grow himself, grow his business, grow his lifestyle. Everything is about me. This guy... He works on a closed circle budget. Now, friends, that's God's type of budget. Because the world mostly works on an open circle budget. God works on a closed circle budget. That is overflow. That is responsibilities, needs, and wants. You see, you say, what is enough? Not in, what's, what's enough for my business. I mean, your business can make as much as money as it wants to. But what is enough for me personally? And then when you get there, the rest becomes overflow because we are kingdom focused. If 100,000 is enough for you and you start making 150,000, then you don't need 50,000. Am I right? Because you said 100,000 is enough. Friends, that's how we get business focused. And then you've got your responsibilities, your tithing, debt if you have, fixed offerings if you have, and then needs, schools, petrol, clothes, food, all those things. And then you have wants. It's investment account, saving account, social uh, giving, because that should be a want. And, and that's, that's a closed circle budget. What is enough? Where does it stop? How much do I need to get? And when you can put a figure to that, when you receive more, because when God opens up the heavens and raining on your land, it's also not only for yourself, it's also for the kingdom. Because God is always kingdom focused. And we need to learn how to live on a closed circle budget personally so that we can bless 
the kingdom, friends. Isn't, hey man, come on. If you get this, my friend, I don't know. It's amazing. There's this few friends. They studied full-time um, ministry, and they sat in a circle, and they, were, uh, and, they, and they wanted just to greet each other and say where they're going. So this one guy said, no, my father is a, is a lead elder of the church. I'm going to join the church, and I'm going to take over from him. The other guy said, no, man, I'm, I'm going to be a youth pastor. I've got a position in another church. I'm going there. Third guy said, I'm going to be a missionary in Madagascar. And the fourth guy said, you know what? I'm going to make jeans. I want to go into business. <laughs> so they all went. And this guy started making jeans. Went very well. Opened up his first shop. Went, went well. Started to franchise. Had shops all over the country. And a few years later, this guy from Madagascar came down and said, listen, man, there's some children there that's, that hasn't got clothes. Don't you want to sponsor something? And he sent him a thousand jeans. And then one day all of them died and he came into heaven. And as he, as he were in heaven, people start coming into heaven. And when they saw him, they ran to him and said, hey, thanks. I just want to say thank you, man. You know, I was a, a child in Madagascar running around naked and you, you, you gave me clothes. I just want to say thank you. Friends, do you have something? Or are you just going with a good golf swing? No, I'm not against golf, please. I, I love golf. I, I just don't want to say, Jesus, check this golf, man. I've spent hours on this thing, man. It's perfect. Just check you. It doesn't matter, man. Maybe there's a golf course. I believe there will be a golf course. <laughs> so, so maybe prepare well. Prepare well for golf. It's fine. But uh, friends, just hear my heart, please. Just hear my heart. I'm, uh, uh, just hear what I'm saying. I'm just saying. I don't want to go empty-handed. Because you know what someone said to me one day, Murdoch, what is enough in business? How much money do you want? Yes, that's right. I can't be in, in Africa full-time ministry. That guy, they says he's making treasures in heaven. You know what? If you're a businessman and you put money into the kingdom, you've got same same seed there. And that's the way how I accumulate treasures in heaven. By making it possible for many others to be in ministry, to advance the kingdom through the finances that I release into the kingdom. And that's my way of accumulating treasures in heaven. And that's fine. I believe that's fine. And there where I've got some 20% extra, I'll do an outreach. I'll go to India. I'll go to Germany. I'll go wherever. And I'll, I'll, I'll visit. I'll, I'll go. That's fine. Because I've got 20% extra to give. But my friends, if God has called you to, 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 to have a business and make it possible for people to go, go. We break the spirit of mammon by giving. We need to budget it into our business. And I'll end with this one. Number seven, righteousness and justice in our business. Psalm 89, 11 says, The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all that is in it, you have founded them. So friends, what I read is everything is under God. It created everything. So God reigns over something. Am I right? He reigns over everything. So we can learn something from Him. Lord, how do you reign? How do you manage these things, Lord? What do you do? I want to learn from you because I've got something that I'm managing. But I want to know, Lord, how do you do that? Look at this. It's amazing. Psalm 89, 14. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of His throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness goes before you. Friends, what's a foundation? Something that I laid down and then... Everything else I build on that foundation. The very throne of God is built on a foundation called righteousness and justice. <laughs> God, He rules from there. Through righteousness and justice. Then, then, Lord, I want to understand this. Because I want to bring it into my space. Isn't that amazing? Eh? And friends, when you receive godly righteousness and justice, love flows out that's amazing psalm 33 5 he loves righteousness and justice the earth is full of the steadfast love of the lord now how are we going to do this it's amazing jeremiah 6 16 and i want to end off with this thus says the lord stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for yourselves. Friends, don't you want that? Don't you want that? I read this and I said, Jesus, I want this. What, what are those ancient ways, Lord Jesus? I want to walk in them. I want rest for my soul, Lord. I want peace. 
Where is that ancient way? What is it? <laughs> Genesis 18. Abraham and his wife, they wanted a kid, a child, descendants. They were old already. And then three guys came and said to them, This day, a year from now, you will have a child. And this is what they said to him. Genesis 18 verse 19. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him. That includes us. To keep the way of the Lord. Can you see? Stand on the ancient path and search for the way. And here they give it. Tell everyone that everyone of your generations can have this. And, and, and to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Isn't that amazing? It's the very foundation of God's throne. And he says, if you search for the ancient ways, it's righteousness and justice. Isn't that amazing? So that the Lord may bring Abraham what he has promised him. Genesis 12, 3. In you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Understand righteousness and justice. Now what's that? What is righteousness and justice? I think righteousness is the up beam of the cross. It's towards God. It's repentance, coming in right standing with Christ and doing what is right. Getting your life in line with Christ. Lord, what's your will for my life? Lord, I want to submit to you, Jesus. And then justice is a horizontal bar. It's towards people. To love people. To love God's people. To care for them. To be just with them. Hi, friends. Not the way the world does. I will walk on you. You need to pay me. You, if you don't do it, I will grind you. No, man. God's ways is, 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 I love you, man. You know, many times when we look at people, we look at people like this. This is people, this is what they do. And we judge people according to what they do. And then this creates a battle. And we win the battle and lose the person. God does this. He separates identity from behavior. He loves you for who you are. And deals with your problem separately. Can you see, friends? That's justice. We love people because when we see people, God said, I made you to my image and to my likeness. And when I see people, I see the image and the likeness of God. And that stirs some love in my heart. And I love people. Not because of what they do. For who they are. And when you have that, usually this sorts him out on its own. Hey. Don't win the battle and lose the person. Friends, righteousness, 2 Corinthians 5.21. For, for our sake he made himself to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You don't work for it, you earn it. You don't earn it, sorry. You receive it when you come to the cross. Jesus gives you, makes you righteous with him. And then we do justice in this world. Isn't that amazing? just something to end off you know jesus when he gave judas the money box he knew that judas wasn't good in his heart he was a thief so i asked lord why would you then give that to him i mean i would never do that man i would fire the guy <laughs> hey i don't want to jesus why did you you know why and this is my theory i i, I might heard it somewhere i can't even remember but anyway I believe God is a God of second chances. And he wanted Judas to redeem himself. He brought him to a place where he could have a choice. I want to take money, but this is not right. I have a choice. I can redeem myself or not. I can take this money or not. And he made the wrong choice. But friends, don't worry. We, we all make mistakes. But I want to say to you, we've got a God of second chances. Friends, let's get into balance. Let's sit there, plan your things, <laughs> live on 80%. Because when you're on 80%, I'm telling you, it's easy to be kingdom focused because you've got 20% extra in your finances, in your time, with your family, with the space in your life, with things you do. Friends, it's never too late. God wants to use every one of us in a great and mighty way. I don't see pension in the Bible, and we're definitely not pensioners. <laughs> we're entrepreneurs. We want to shake this world. Am I right? 
but we need to be in balance. We need to work from a place of rest. We need to work from a place of strength. You need to manage what God has given you. You need to gear yourself for the opportunities so that you don't put yourself in, in, in a bad mess. And then save to give, friends. And be righteous and just when you do all those things. Isn't that amazing? Great. Any, any, uh, that's it. Thanks. Dan, any questions or anything? But you, I'll give over to you. All, all, everything that we heard this morning. Can, can I show you how to do it? Can I give you a key? If you've got this key, friends, it's going to unlock something for the kingdom of God. It's amazing. I want to show you. Put your onesie on. This is how you're going to do it, friends. It's the only way. If you want to do these things, you need to put on your lion suit. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I do this, it, it feels out of my comfort zone. It's not easy. I feel exposed. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know but friends, I want to say to you, and I want you to remember this picture, because I'm telling you today as I stand here, you're going to have a choice. You're going to get to choices, and I, I'm, I'm telling you, remember this. Because you need to put on your lion suit. I don't care what the world says. I don't care how it looks. I don't care how I feel. I'm going to put on my lion suit and I'm going to do the right thing. You know, because if I put on my lion suit, my flesh steps out of the way and the lion of Judah can come in and touch some lives. Is that right? When I stand in the bank and God says, pray for that man. I don't care what people say. I don't care what the world thinks. I don't care how I feel. I'm going to pray for him because Jesus wants to show up in his life today. Beautiful. Now. And do something. There's a need. And God sees it. And he wants to, to, to call it out of him. And he does it through you and me. But friends, if you don't put on your lion suit, you're not going to do that. Amazing. Don't worry what the world says. So good. Don't worry how you feel or how you look. It doesn't matter. Right. Friends, just put on your lion suit and do the right thing. Brilliant.